Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, wired people into that listeners. It's Tina Horn here, and if you're a fan of this show, then you probably know I've spent the past three years writing a comic book series called Safe Sex. It's spelled S-F-S-X, mostly because Safe Sex doesn't have great SEO, even though I'm very glad people are out here typing information about safer sex, like actual safer sex, into their search engines. You may have read the single issues of the series that came out monthly from Image Comics last year, and now you can get all seven issues collected in one paperback edition with a lovely matte finish cover. I'm stroking it right now, actually, as I record this. It's called SFSX Volume 1 Protection, and it's available wherever comic books or books of any kind are sold. It explores all the same themes of this here podcast, sex worker rights, queer identity, feminist politics, etc., but all in the context of a science fiction action-adventure social thriller with really stellar art and lots of very R-rated sex and violence. If you didn't manage to get your paws on all of the single issues, or if you're the type of person who holds out for something more durable for your bookshelf, or even if you have all seven issues, and the variant cover of the second printing of issue one, this collection still has exclusive concept art from Jen Hickman, Tula Lote, Alejandro Gutierrez, and Katie Skelly, along with commentary from me, a new essay by trans historian Morgan M. Page, a great picture of Lindsay Dye sitting on a custom cake at our Blue Stockings release party last year, and it's all designed by the extraordinary Lauren McCubbin. I want to encourage people now more than ever to call your local book or comic book store and ask them to order your copy of Safe Sex Volume 1 Protection for you. So many indie shops are doing curbside pickup or even mail order now, and it's much more rewarding than ordering it from our overlords, though for the record, that is also an option. This book is $9.99, which fucking honestly is a deal at twice the price. And if you want to hear me talk more about the series with the queen of motherfucking darkness, Carmen Maria Machado, tune in to the Blue Stockings online Zoom party July 22nd at 4 p.m. PST. That's 7 p.m. EST. And now, continuing with the safe sex theme, here's my conversation with Jen Hickman about the making of SFSX protection and what's next for our comic book. I'm still thinking about all you out there. Find a mask you love and wear it. Fuck the police. And thanks for listening. Jen Hickman, say hello to your adoring public. 
<laughs> Hello, adoring public. <laughs> Jen, I am so fucking happy to have you on the show on the occasion of the release of the first trade paperback collection of Safe Sex, the comic that we have collaborated on together. Yeah, I, I am so excited to get to hold the finished book in my hands, which hopefully should be soon. Yeah, and we were, before yeah. we started rolling, we were just talking about how, like, Katie Skelly, who did one of the variant covers and lives in Brooklyn, like, got her comps, and then Morgan Page, who wrote the intro and I believe lives in London, got her comps, and then Maxwell <laughs> Lander, who contributed some of the source photographs for the design, who lives in Toronto, like, I also got a FedEx notice about their delivery today, and his delivery today, and I'm just like okay, this is great that everyone's posting about the book. Please keep posting. But also, when do I get to hold it in my hands? There's like, I don't know, we're so bereft of the ability to touch the things that we want to touch right now in July so of 2020. So I'm like, I want to touch that book. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to hold it in my hands. <laughs> Jen, let me read your bio that people will be able to read also in the back of <laughs> Safe Sex Volume 1 Protection out on July 22nd at so your soon. local book and or comic retailer. Jen Hickman is a visual storyteller and a graduate of the Savannah College of Art and Design's sequential art program. They get real excited about dystopian fiction, good coffee, and drawing hands. When they're not making comics, Jen is either cooking something fancy or at the gym. Past work includes Test, Moth and Whisper, Filthy Figments, and more. How's your COVID gym routine? Non-existent. Absolutely really? non-existent. Yeah, um, I go jogging, um, but it's really not the same as pumping iron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have, like, goals of developing a good, like, at-home yeah. iron pumping routine? I mean, kind of. I think I've just had to sort of shift what goals look like um, more into into running and push-ups and pull-ups and bodyweight stuff, which, like, that's fine, but it's not my favorite. That's definitely not non-existent. <laughs> yeah, but, like... It, it sounds like you're, you're, you're staying, <laughs> staying fit, staying healthy. I guess. It's just really not the same as lifting heavy, and that is my favorite thing in the entire world, and I'm very pouty that I don't get to do that right now. Yeah, that's that's really rough. Also, though, on the bright side, uh, part of the reason that we are recording today mm. is that soon you are going to be pumped full of sedatives, I hope, <laughs> and not able to pump iron at all because Correct. you are getting, uh, as you as you put it so memorably, the, the, the bap chop, is that what you called it? Yes, yes. Eating the teats, uh, chopping the baps. <laughs> <laughs> that is so exciting. How are you feeling? That's like in two days, huh? No, it's tomorrow. Oh my god, it's tomorrow! Yeah. Do you have someone to, like, help you, like, drain your... <laughs> yes. This is part of what I know about top surgery is that you need someone to help drain things. Yes. Yeah, my my partner is going to be the unfortunate soul um, responsible for all the gross stuff that happens after. <laughs> well, I'm sure it will be an act of love that yeah, yeah. Be and happy I'm happy to do. I'm treating her to sushi tonight, I think, to uh, make up for some of it. <laughs> And probably for how I unreasonable that. I might be when I'm on all of those exciting drugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I wish you very well. I'm excited one one day when we can be in the same place again and I can hug you. I'm excited about <laughs> that. You're, you're going to emerge from all of this like a new hugger. 
and you're you're, you're <laughs> iron pumping. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and like it's hugging all will be feel different. so good and exciting after coronavirus. <laughs> Dude, so true. So true. I can't, I truly can't wait. Well, Jen, let's talk a little bit about how we know each other. Would you like to tell our origin story? <laughs> our origin story. Yeah, definitely. Justin Hall, um, amazing human being, was putting together a queer comics anthology um, for queer horror shorts. And he asked me if I wanted to illustrate a story with one Tina Horn. Um, and I I really like anthologies because it's a it's a space to like collaborate with new people um, and try out stuff that you haven't tried before to experiment, to test the waters. And so me and Tina put together this this short comic um, for Theater of Terror, Revenge of the Queers. And it was really fun and it was a really great collaborative experience. So then however many months later it was that Tina, you asked me on to Safe Sex, I was like, yes, absolutely. Like this comic book rocks and working with Tina rocks. I definitely want to do it again. Oh God, you're you're so sweet. And <laughs> it's true. And since you love drawing hands so much, mm, I yes. I was like, hey man, why don't we just draw hands, you know, fisting some sort of like semi-organic interdimensional space yeah. wall. Yeah, just a lot of hands penetrating things. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I loved the work that you did for that. And, oh. you know, I love your pencils and your inks and your colors. And <laughs> I also, like, really appreciate that you are, you have, as a collaborator, like, a really great balance of abstract conceptual like and and like willingness to like go there with the abstract concept conceptual conversations and then also you're like very pragmatic and organized and like <laughs> focused that is just that's like a really good balance for me because I think if I was working with someone who was like too pragmatic and was like unwilling to like mm, spiral yeah. out into the cosmos with like weird conversations about then like maybe the work that we did would like not be as weird or vibrant. And then if somebody was like too spacey, that would like bring out my space cadet side. Mm. Um, so so I, I find working with you to be the ideal balance. Oh, thank you. Uh, I, I think you're right though, that we like balance each other out on those two, I guess, axes very, very well with being organized, but also being willing to go play around in conceptual weirdness. Yeah, and I I think that your work is like that too. Your work is often very like abstract or emotional mm. or like impressionistic. Like you're clearly an illustrator and there's like almost like a like a cartoonish element to some of your work, oh, but then sure, it's also yeah. very grounded in realism. Mm. And I, what is the, what is the opposite of whimsical? I feel like your your work doesn't have <laughs> doesn't doesn't have like a lot of whimsy not that whimsy is a bad thing but I feel like whimsy is maybe not like the first thing that I want but I also when when work is like too grounded in realism or like too gritty it like doesn't have yeah. enough sort of like color or levity to it and I feel like yeah. again your work has that balance well thank you that that's something that I I think about a lot um in in visual storytelling is this like constant push and pull between like clarity and imagination um mm. just because like 
there are rules in comics, but nobody knows them and you can ignore them if you would like to. Um, yes. so or like make of... them up as you go along. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, so that's good to hear that the, the balance that I'm striking is working. Absolutely. And then, yeah, I mean, the second that you came on, you did the coloring for issue four. Yes, yeah. You did all the the pencils, the inks, and the coloring for five, six, and seven. Yeah. And that was really exciting, too, because, you know, I had written those scripts at that point. I had written them, like, a year ago. Right. And being able to see you bring them to life when they had kind of been like on ice for a while was really exciting and you know whatever like a queer aesthetic sensibility is you've got it Sweet. and and <laughs> and it's just like a, a joy to see on every lo- level from like the thumbnails to the like finished final product on paper in my hands. Do you want to talk a little bit for folks who are listening? Why are people into that? Listeners are often going to be tuning in to this show for like sex talk, which like, by the (laughs) way, if you want to talk about sex, kink, gender, or love, like if there's like something that you want to, sorry, I definitely almost just said, get off your chest. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Honestly, if you hadn't said it, I might've tried to work that in. So... (laughs) Another 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 way that we that we get along. <laughs> you know, there's also a lot of talk on the show inevitably about about art and artistic process. And so maybe for folks who are listening who either have read the comic or are curious about picking it up, maybe we can talk a little bit about what the comic collaborative process, the comics and like sequential art collaborative process is like yeah yeah since we want to encourage people to buy the trade (laughs) who have maybe not read the whole thing we should maybe have like only light spoilers yes i think that's a good idea so which is going to be a little challenging because i did draw the last like the back half where the shit hits the fan (laughs) true true so well we'll do our best so i i created safe sex Mm mm-hmm and like own the intellectual property, which I say just because I like don't own any property or like any other like living creatures. You know, I don't have any progeny. Do you have, so do you have like houseplants like, or something? No, I have, oh, no. Like a, I have like a black thumb. Well, shit. Okay, then this Jen, is it. My IP, my IP is my is my baby and my garden and my property. Excellent. One day, I hope to try to keep a, a succulent alive. Okay, that in seems. Twenty twenty. Yeah, that seems like an achievable goal i'm rooting thank for you, you. Ah. thank you uh, i created the characters and the world and then i write a, a script in the same way that someone would write like a play or a screenplay mm. and then i send jen the script and like n- since jen and i are continuing to collaborate on safe sex now when i'm like writing new scripts i can actually just kind of like address jen in the script which is really fun yeah yeah, um, I find that and fun be, as well. Yeah, and sort of be like, remember when we had this conversation or like, you know this movie yeah. or you know this other thing that you did this one time? Can you do that but like this? So yeah, so then I send I send the scripts to Jen and then you take it from there, Jen. What, what comes yeah. next? Okay, so obviously then I read it. <laughs> um, and I like to do that in two different passes. One, just to read it like as if I were just a reader and not a creator. Um, just to get the big beats of the story and to figure out what the actions are and to like 
have the emotional journey that I would like the reader to have. And then I read it again, and I do this thing that I, I don't normally tell writers that I do because writers get very fussy about formatting um, for some reason, but I read it again, and then I go like page by page, panel by panel, reformat every single line of dialogue to something that I can read very quickly. And um, doing that process, like, it makes sure that Future Gen has a chill time with the experience, and it also makes sure that I'm, like, being extremely detail-oriented when I move from reading to actually drawing. So that's the second thing. I love that. (laughs) Well, I feel like every, every six months or so on Twitter, writers get into this whole, like, extremely fussy conversation about which formatting methods are the best for comics. And every time that happens, I just want to tell them all that, like, it doesn't matter what format they use, I'm always going to change it. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't, like, that's, that's definitely not seeing the forest and only seeing trees. Like, come on, come on, team. Um, but yeah, so I, I read the script twice. And at that point, I do layouts, um, which is sort of the composition of the page, both in terms of, like, where are the panels? How big are they? How many, like, tiers? Is it a nine grid? Like, what is the composition of the panels on the page? You know, if if there is, like, a super important action on the page, it should probably have, like, the biggest real estate, that sort of thing. You know, panel size can also be dictated by, like, if there's a shit ton of dialogue in there. Maybe don't make your letterer's life miserable by giving them, you know, two square inches to cram a paragraph into. Um, And then from there, I'll go into individual panels and just do little, like, really rough layouts of of what I want to be in the page and at that point it's sort of useful to think about it like um like cinematography like shot calls Mm. and like um yeah I think theater staging is a maybe a better easier way to access it as well but just like where is the viewer in the space where are the characters in the space what exactly am I showing them how am I leading their eye um, and again, that's the moment to bring back the lettering and be like, where's that going to sit? Like, how can I make sure that this experience all, like, gels together at the end? And that step is, like, oh my god, it's so exhausting mentally. <laughs> like, thumbnailing is the the big heavy lifting of making comics, for sure. Because it's just yeah. so much, and it's so, like, to go from a, a blank page to something is just, like, oh, it's it's so much. So that's... That's usually That's a company. so cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it's where the, well, I don't know. I feel like the magic really happens when lettering hits the page because then you're like, oh my God, it's a comic. Um, but like a lot of the like really important foundation stuff happens at the layout stage. So I, I like to pair it with a um, really vital activity called lying on the floor and whining. <laughs> where... Every, like, three or four pages, I will just, in the middle of my studio with five other artists who are also working, just lie down in the middle of the floor and whine. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, a little, like, you know, behind the scenes, there's absolutely no lying on the floor and whining in the writing process. (laughs) No, never. I'm sure it's painless. Yeah, no. (laughs) But have you seen Mother? No, it's been on my list, though. I, I think, actually, Mother would be a bananas movie to watch while recovering from surgery (laughs) okay maybe i'll maybe i'll see if it's streaming somewhere because my current plan is just to like loop the lord of the rings movies (laughs) that is god what a great idea right so javier bardem in the movie mother okay um, you've told me i'm obsessed with his face Oh, you, there's plenty of his beautiful fucking face in this okay. movie. Spoiler, Javier Bardem's character is, like, essentially God. Like, he he plays God in, like, the allegory. Mm. But, like, he's also, like, 
a poet who is like constantly like storming up to his study to write and is like constantly throwing <laughs> tantrums about okay. how everything in the house is like not conducive to him being <laughs> able to write and he has this fucking crystal in his office that he's like very gets very upset if anyone like touches or like looks askance at his crystal because his crystal has to be like right in the exact spot in order for him to like have the inspiration to like create and I definitely that's usually like that's what I refer to like when I get into my like Javier Bardem like crystal stage of like don't look at my crystal I'm writing That's anyway, real. so so lay so layout. After that, I will just sort of because I work all digitally, I just blow it up and then I do um quote unquote pencils. And I know like a lot of really old school comic book artists make their pencils incredibly gorgeous and like put in shading and rendering and all of this stuff before passing it off to an inker. And I do none of that. It's all like mm. just basic um construction of figures to make sure that like the thumbs on the right side of the hand and like the objects are in perspective instead of just, you know, magically off obeying their own rules. Um, sometimes I'll tweak things a little bit at that point. Like, I have a tendency to get everything really, really crowded, so it used to be that pretty much every fucking panel I'd have to, like, pull the shot out a little bit more to just give everything more breathing space. I've gotten a little bit better about that over the years, but that's the moment where I'll just make little adjustments and make sure that it is something that I can ink off of. Because inking is, like, Oh, I love inking so much. <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. It's definitely my favorite stage of the process. That's cool. It's rendering, it's mark making, it's like how you direct the eye with like black and white basically. And so it like your your tool set is so limited and you just sit there and you've already done all of your work um with the construction so you it's just it's the pretty fun fulfilling part. And you know, you can put on a good podcast or audiobook and just ink. It's lovely. I used to work traditionally, and every now and then I think I should try it again, but I'm just so much faster digitally. Like on a tablet? Yes, yeah. Cool. And you have like a special pen? Yeah, yeah, it comes with a little pen. Um, It takes one AAA battery that fucking is always almost out of juice, it feels like. But I, I call it inking specifically because it's not so much like tracing the construction as like actual like rendering and like defining light and stuff like that so it's sort of a different mindset than just like here's the lines that totally makes sense i'm sure that it is a very obnoxious thing when people think that what you are doing is tracing the work that you already did yeah isn't that wait there's some movie where somebody's a comic book is it like train spotting or something chasing chasing amy you're right it's chasing amy yeah i don't know why i get those that's like peak gen x uh cinema yeah yeah okay thank you that's about they were all there yeah everybody in train spotting is way too strung out to draw (laughs) that's also true which i guess Um, is something yeah it's not something positive you can say (laughs) about the characters of chasing amy (laughs) it's not just tracing (laughs) you know one part of the collaboration that is in this stage also is that like when you're doing like you do the layouts and mm-hmm. then send me the layouts mm-hmm. and that's that's a very important stage where oh, yeah. I actually need to be paying attention <laughs> yes. and if there's something that I want to be different I should probably say it then because if I say it later 
it's that's so annoying <laughs> yeah yeah um because if things are at the layout stage it's like super painless to change things up and to redo things but if i've already like slaved over the exact same thing three times in a row like from layout to pencils to inks and then you know someone is like oh what if this were different um that's already like <laughs> a day's work that i put into something that they could have said that at the get-go totally totally yeah which so. like i don't know you've never done that to me i don't think i mean i think i did it a couple oh, of times but oh. it was maybe not like egregious and yeah you, i mean again that, i will like, say i don't hold a grudge so that's well nice. thank you <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm very glad and also that is another thing that i need in collaborators is like i like i'm not a visual artist and so even though i can be like sensitive to and aware of what the process is that you're doing and that that is kind of the way that I think I have a little bit of a like producer brain mm. about everything like a macro brain about everything and I kind of want to understand like what everyone is doing and like yeah, yeah. the value of everyone's labor that they're contributing oh totally but I don't always know and also sometimes I am Javier Bardem being really precious about my crystal and I like don't notice something until you've inked it and then I'm like wait a minute I don't even remember what it was but I I, I do okay. remember that I that I was like uh do you think that maybe like this composition could be different or like this character could be wearing something Gosh. different I don't even fucking remember what yeah, it was no, and I, then, I wish I could remember but I and then you were, but, never happened but then but then you were like I will totally do this this time and just so you know like, please try to notice this earlier because you mm. definitely could have noticed this in <laughs> the layout stage, in like the thumbnail stage, and it would have been way easier for me to change it then. And I mm. was like, because you were so direct about it, I like got that message loud and clear. <laughs> well, I'm glad that passed me to did the right thing. You'll usually like finish like a few pages and then send them to me. And so, like, while yeah. you're working on the next batch of pages, I can like meticulously go through the pages that you've already done and make sure again that like everything is fine because every stage that goes on makes it more of a pain in the ass to change. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. I I like getting that feedback right away um, and working in batches tends to make that easier as well for everybody involved. And then what about coloring? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, So after I finish inking, I color um, and like in modern comics, it is most normal for this step to be um, handed off to somebody else. It used to be very common for people to um, have separate pencilers and inkers, um, but that is becoming less and less of a normal thing in the modern industry. But coloring is still um, separated out fairly regularly. It's unusual that I color my own work, but I fucking love it. What do you love about it? <laughs> okay, so I used to like just be a colorist um, when I entered the comic book industry in like 2014, yeah. I think. And I loved taking somebody's like black and white inks and sort of bringing them to life. And I, I think of it as like providing the soundtrack to a movie in a lot of ways. Oh my because god, it, like, I love that. It sets that. the tone and it helps people, like especially if some artist has like maybe a kind of unclear character design where you like can't immediately tell who someone is from their silhouette you can mm. usually like with their color palettes like really quickly pick people out and so it's it's enhancing what's already there and adding clarity to it i just really like coloring it's 
I don't know. Maybe I'm a four-year-old at heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure also it's not just like coloring a coloring book. Oh, good Lord, no. No, but every now and then I, I'm worried that some family member of mine is going to try and give me a adult coloring book for Christmas and I'm going to just have an aneurysm immediately. <laughs> <laughs> It's not, would that be, would, it's not would that be relaxing? No, it would you. be the worst. It would be actually excruciating. I will never even give you like an adult adult coloring book, even though that might <laughs> seem like the kind of... There's there's a um, really fun uh, game that I used to play um, back in art school and a little bit before. Basically, you get a bunch of artists and you get eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper and Sharpies and everybody draws a dick. And then you hand your paper off to the person on your left, and then everyone has five minutes to try and turn that dick into anything else. So it's like an exquisite corpse, yeah, but with dicks. Yeah, but just with dicks. So, you know, like, you can make it into an elephant, maybe, with a trunk or something, or you can make it, you know, like, there's uh, a mushroom or whatever, depending on how somebody's drawn it. And then at the end of the five minutes, you vote who has hidden the dick uh, the best. Oh, (laughs) that is fantastic. So Um, that's, like, the the only thing, even in the ballpark of an adult, adult's coloring book, where I'm like, I could do that. I just want to go back to something that you that you said a second okay. ago about about coloring, which is the idea of coloring as music. Mm-hmm. Coloring gives the art that kind of like aural dimension because that's yes. something I think about a lot as a script writer. Mm. I mean, you can smell a comic like you can smell the the paper, but sure. you can't you can't smell. If something smells good, bad, or ugly, like in the comic, you kind of have to have someone like, you, I mean, I guess you have, can have like stink lines, right? And you can have like <laughs> like sound effects, right. which which actually Steve Wands, our uh, oh, letterer, yeah. does, it does a lot uh, of really creative stuff with yes. the sound effects, which is really fun, including some of the color stuff that you were talking about, like different Mm. colors for different characters and like different colors for different kinds of things that are happening. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, one dimension that I don't have to work with necessarily is music. And it's really nice to think of the color as doing something similar. Yeah, I, I do think it works on a lot of levels. It can affect the pacing, it can affect how emotional beats hit, it can change the tone of a piece, um, it can mm-hmm. do, like a lot of, it accomplishes a lot of the same stuff that a soundtrack would. And so I think it's a really nice like analogy to make people understand why good coloring is so important to a comic. Tell me a part of making safe sex that was really challenging Ooh, for you. Okay, yeah. Um, I mean, that's easy. I was incredibly intimidated by um, taking over from Dowling, like specifically, because he has this heavy blacks, textural, semi-realism, like cinematic style that is very like chic and polished and like old school in a very like classic timeless sort of way. And Mm. my natural inclinations are not really that similar on a lot of levels, but I really wanted to make readers... um, like have a easy transition between him and me. So I wanted to try and like push my art a little more in his direction. So I, I shifted out my inking brushes for ones that I thought were kind of like what he was using. And then oh, I wow. tried to like do what he was doing specifically in the inks in like the surface level mark making to try and bring us together in a sort of way. 
Um, and it, you know, like it was fun to get out of my comfort zone, but it was also like a little hard to, to try these things that didn't immediately come to mind um, for like how I try to, to make art. So that was definitely a challenge, um, but I think it was a good challenge. I think it helped, it pushed me to, to grow in a direction that I don't think I would have tried on my own. Um, and hopefully readers didn't get too bothered by the switch. Well, I did not hear a single person say that they were bothered. In fact, <laughs> uh, what I heard was just people being so stoked in your art. And I really, I didn't even hear people being like confused about oh, well, like, why is there a different artist? And, and I don't know. I mean, I think that, that that's really admirable that you challenged yourself in that way. But I also think that there is so much that you bring in your own style and your own technique and your own talent to the series that if you want to continue to work in that style or like go into that mode that's great but also if for future issues you are like and now I want to (laughs) like bust out in this other direction uh you know that i support that now that we've carried readers through that switch um i do Mm. feel much more comfortable like playing around and maybe pushing things that are more in my wheelhouse um moving forward but it'll it'll depend how i'm feeling at the time and what i feel the story needs because at the end of the day like that's that's got to come first not like my preferences but what is going to make the strongest version of safe sex that we possibly can and i know that sounds as like super fucking cheesy but it's like how i look at every book i do so that's that's this not is gonna a change safe space for <laughs> cheesiness okay good <laughs> excellent at the top when you were mentioning that um i'm an illustrator but with a more cartoony style i do think that me bringing that to the story is good for it yeah because my my big strength i think is character acting and totally. a lot of what is going to make readers love a character and then get their hearts broken when bad things happen to the character is <laughs> how much how much you know we can empathize with yeah how much they can feel for another character fortunately that's something that comes very naturally to me and that I've really worked on over the years and I would like to lean into that even more um, I, I wouldn't say that it's going to get like terribly more animu looking or anything like that, but I definitely want to push it more towards, you know, expressive uh, qualities. That is great. I am fully in support of that. And like even having Alejandro Gutierrez doing like a pop in issue and then oh, yeah. the, the like Playboy short comic that Alejandro and I made. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I feel like there's room in the safe sex universe for maximalism and camp and (laughs) visual gags and like (laughs) and actual gags and actual gags (laughs) (laughs) and and like just more expression and i don't know the thing that keeps coming into my mind when you were even talking about like getting into like anime territory (laughs) is that like that like anime convention I, I mean, I guess people are familiar with it now because of emojis where there's just like a stream of tears like coming off yes. of someone's face. <laughs> and like sometimes it's out of like excitement or nervousness or they're actually crying, but th- that just like extreme outsized uh, emotion. I am totally. like all about that. Yeah, that's that's fun as hell to try and work in. <laughs> I want safe sex to be in, I'm obsessed with 
body genres, like genres mm. that have an effect on your body, right? So like mm-hmm. I want the story to make people hard and wet mm. and you know, dilated and sweaty (laughs) and I want their hearts to race and break and I want them to leak out their eyeballs and (laughs) noses and I I want them to drool and I want them to be scared and I want them to be relieved and elated. Like I just, I want to, I want to make, you know, I just want to pull, I want to pull all of that out of, out of everybody. Yeah. And affect as many bodies as possible without even (laughs) physically touching them, which again, I cannot do right now. Tragic. No, but that's, yeah, that is an awesome, that is a fucking awesome thing to aim for. And I, I don't know, we'll have to, we'll have to wait for a reader response when the trade drops to uh, get all of those reactions all in one go. But I personally cannot wait to uh, read the reactions online. Yeah, me too. And I mean, I stay out of the comments, but... um, No, yeah, that's good, yeah. (laughs) You'll just tell me the nice things that people say. (laughs) Yeah, you know, in the trade, there is some exclusive back matter stuff, even for the people listening who have all seven issues and maybe like all seven issues and the variant of issue one with the Katie Skelly cover. There is going to be stuff in the book, not only having all the issues collected, but also process porn, basically, of Mm -hmm. like sketches, character design by Jen and some like layout stuff from Alejandra and some like Mm. concept sketches for the covers by Tula Lote, who did most of our covers and and then I like wrote a little thing about like all of the collaborators and like one of the things that I wrote about uh, which I bring up because you were talking about your strength in like character acting Mm -hmm. is like I like listed a bunch of my favorite things that you did so when you get (laughs) when you do get the comps again you're gonna be recovering from surgery yeah you're gonna gonna harvest my tears I bet yes (laughs) <laughs> yeah your partner's gonna have to drain those as well yeah uh, <laughs> put them into a little vial and mail them to you <laughs> yes perfect. there's a panel that you did in in issue six again i will not have spoilers mm. but there there is a panel of sylvia's face uh, yes let's just say sylvia is saying put the gun down baby and the subtlety of everything that is that is written on Sylvia's face in this moment it it's it's really extraordinary man it's it, it's it's like Aww. like as a writer to have like written the, written the story and the drama and the dialogue but also to have like created these characters and then it it is almost like the expression on Sylvia's face in this panel, it almost sort of tricks me into thinking that there is like a living actress playing mm. the character. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's that, so like, cool. Holy shit. And that not only is there a living actress playing the character, but that she is really good at her job and that... <laughs> I'm like complimenting a fake person that doesn't exist in order to compliment you. Um, that like that like this this like actress is so good at her job that she like I can see in her face that she understands everything that is significant for all of the characters about that is mm. in this one moment. 
And it is a lot of conflicting emotions. Thank you. And you did that with a, a, a face that you draw, <laughs> that you drew. That's I, it's amazing. Yeah, put, put a put a tablet pencil down, and there it was. Oh, I I really appreciate that. And that's yeah, that's my jam. Like that is what I like doing. That is by far my favorite. I could just like go on and on and on about all the amazing stuff that you did, but I guess people are just gonna have <laughs> to I mean, okay, that's just, this is actually a good segue. What were some of your favorite parts about oh, making gosh. the book? I loved all of the fashion um notes that you left in the script and chasing those down and bringing them to life that was so much fun like for sure all of the dress I'm up. so glad <laughs> I'm so glad because I like really gave tried to give myself like a crash course in fashion mm. for this comic because I like I have a pretty casual fashion sense but oh I can't remember same. if I told you this but at at I think it was at the FlameCon in New York where we met or it might have been the FlameCon the year before I went okay. to a panel called Sailor Moon Made Me Gay so I mean Sailor Moon made me gay so of, of I was course. like I gotta go to this panel <laughs> and it was it was a beautiful panel and a lot of what they were talking about was all of this like really deep fashion knowledge that like informs mm. like their work as comics creators and that informed like the creators of like both the original manga of Sailor Moon and, mm -hmm. and and then also the anime and I just I had I had so much respect for it because it was like I realized that it was not something that I like fashion was not a place that I would have thought to put symbolism mm -hmm. before hearing people talk about that and mm. then the way they were talking about it I was like oh this is like so deep and rich and also for me, it's total, like, internalized misogyny that I think that this is not important. Well, shit, I had no idea about any of that, and I just came in and was like, hmm, all these fashion choices are so much fun. I'm so here for them. I am so glad. Also, I, I can, like, dress these... I can dress my children, and then <laughs> I, I can just, like, wear soft clothes for the rest of my oh, life. Oh, yeah, same. I, like, on a personal level, approach fashion antagonistically like I am not a fashion person I loathe the concept but when I'm drawing and when I'm creating a comic like oh yes hell yes let's get into fashion for sure and Great. I loved that it, yeah it added a lot I think well you you really you really brought a lot of it to life and you know there there's some <laughs> of the fashion that is just like these characters dressing up cool but then of course like there's a lot of fetish symbolism which right. which was something that like I came to writing comics like with an understanding of you know I've said this a million times basically every time I talk about collaborating with you just like how fucking refreshing it is to like be able to talk about things that have to do with queerness <laughs> things that have to do with porn things that have to do with sexuality things that have to do with fetishism things that have to do with sex toys and mm -hmm. i can like give you like a tip or a suggestion you're also like yeah yeah i know that I i've drawn that yeah before. you don't have to I... sit there and like educate me in addition to giving me the specifics of how this is going to work within the world like nah i got i'm there yeah. already <laughs> totally yeah was there like a sequence that you like really enjoyed drawing or that even maybe like surprised you or was something that you had like never tried to draw before? 
I think the first thing that comes to mind is a number of our beloved children going through the air ducts, and I'm going to leave it. That's probably vague enough, right? Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, but very, very much like a diehard um, scenario. But like the comedy and the sexiness inherent in that scene, like when I read it, I didn't really like I wasn't there. And then I like started laying it out and all of a sudden I was like, this is hilarious and this is incredibly like sexually charged. And also like there's that level of, of danger um, to the whole thing. And I had a fucking blast with that scene. I am so glad you also did such a good job with it because first of all, just like the physics of <laughs> that scene are like a yeah, little... Well, I mean, Dubious? it's, it's diehard die logic. Like, at some point, it is uh, an action scene, and you don't, like, there's some leeway that the audience will give you. 100%, but, but, but also only because of how you, like, brought it to life with, like, the right amount of <laughs> realism and, and also, like, all those elements that you just named, the sexiness, the humor, the danger, like, when mm -hmm. those things are vivid enough, then I don't think people are going to spend a lot of time being like, is that really how you would belay up the <laughs> right. side of an air <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've earned some leeway at that point, or at least people are into the thing that you've created enough that they're not going to question the reality of it. And yeah, I, I had a fucking blast with that. Well, I, I'm really glad. I definitely remember going to write that part of the story. And when you're writing like a heist or a jailbreak, which is what, you know, it's sort of the, the main shape of the arc of protection is, mm -hmm. you know, you kind of have to like do the thing where you put yourself in the middle of the labyrinth and then walk out of it backwards and right. while forgetting that you know how to get out because you built it. <laughs> and so you have to like sort of figure out how to surprise yourself and, mm -hmm. you know, but then also think tactically, like if I was going to break into this building, right? what would I do? And I, when I was writing it, I was like, well, I guess I would go through the air ducts, but I just feel like that's so diehard slash alien slash like, a cliche thing yeah. that like everybody does. Like standard. But then, and then I was rereading the His Dark Materials books, mm. and I there's a scene in the Golden Compass where a character is crawling through air ducts, and. I, I got all the way to the end of that scene in the book. Mm -hmm. I was totally gripped by what was happening. It was super suspenseful, which is like extra <laughs> hard to do with prose, like in Absolutely. a novel, right? Absolutely. Yeah, with action and, scenes, yeah. And I got all the way to the end where I was like, wait a minute, this is an air duct scene and I am <laughs> gripped right now because, again, like you were saying, when the stakes are there and you care about the characters and there are the other elements that are unique to that world and that character and that story, like, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if it's a cliche or, right. and, you know, and then you can also make it like an homage to oh, totally. the things that you love. So, yeah. but all this is to say, I think that as a writer, if I'm worried about being cliche and something coming across as stale, there's so much that you do as the artist that makes an idea that potentially could be stale, not stale. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of the the joy of comics being a team sport, basically, right? Like, Right. It's the only gonna... team sport I've ever enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, same. <laughs> your dreams, your 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So when Justin Hall introduced us, I like went to your website and I like really loved your work. And I especially saw that, that there was a lot of really good horror on there and good like sort of like science fiction mm-hmm. and like supernatural. I don't know, with a, a little bit of like, like I was saying earlier, like impressionistic, not necessarily like strict genre stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was like also, like I was mm-hmm. saying earlier, like a lot of queerness to your work. And also, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, when we were working on the short story for Theater of Terror, mm-hmm. which has some queer sex content. And then <laughs> yes. when we started talking about safe sex, it like didn't even occur to me until later when you sent me a link to some of your more explicit oh, okay, porn yeah. that you've drawn that I was like, wait, I've seen their porn before. And then I was just like, oh, I guess just when I get along <laughs> with someone, I just assume that they've made queer porn and I guess <laughs> in this case I was correct <laughs> yep <laughs> so I guess can you talk a little bit about your approach to like queer porn and smut and erotics in your <laughs> in your comics yeah yeah absolutely so right now all of my uh, queer smut comics are published by filthy figments um, which is a subscription site that also has a, a ebook store associated with it. They're fucking awesome. I love working with them. And what's also unique about it is that this is the only area of my career where it's not a collaboration. It is just me and it is just like whatever enters my head to do. I have a pretty awesome amount of creative freedom. When I'm coming to making queer smut, I get very in my head about all of the technical stuff that I want to try to do, (laughs) Um, which, like, I don't know, is very interesting to me, and I can think about this shit for hours and, like, play with it and try different takes on the same problem, because, you know, like, all all visual storytelling is, is, is problem solving at the end of the day. And Mm. if the problem that I'm trying to solve is somebody with their little eyeballs is looking at my smut on a screen, like, how am I going to titillate them? How am I going to get a reaction from them? Like, there's a million ways to solve that problem. I guess my my Sisyphean battle is with um, getting readers to play with time in the same way that I do. Um, mm. Because I think that, like, time yeah, on a we've comic talked page... About, yeah. We've talked about time and sex in Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, because, like... You, like, you have the, the time of the um, events themselves that you're depicting, and then you have the way that they are broken up into panels, um, and then you have um, like how long a reader's eyeballs are going to spend on the page. And so it's all these different elements that you're juggling together, and so I'm constantly obsessed with trying different like techniques to either 
like create a, a like very long drawn out like edging sort of time if you will versus <laughs> just like throwing it all out on the page and being like well it's up to you to uh, stare at it long enough that it makes you horny I don't know <laughs> um, and I like I'm just constantly obsessed with with time in porn specifically and then the other thing that was sort of a like a game changer for me when I realized it is that the purpose of a porn comic at the end of the day is absolutely not to get someone's rocks off, but to frustrate them. And the minute <laughs> that I came to terms with that, that I was like, oh, what I'm really doing here is making like making people extremely frustrated and not giving them everything that they want. I immediately had so much more fun with it. <laughs> oh my God, that is so... <laughs> wise and true <laughs> and, it, and it, it like it, it makes your job easier too because it's so much easier to blue ball somebody than it is to like really show them exactly because you know then at the point it's it's sort of your version of what's extremely hot and what's the payoff for you and that can be a little individual people love tease and denial it, yep, and yep. <laughs> people pay real good money to be teased and denied so uh, <laughs> and yeah. my comics so, are so cheap <laughs> <laughs> so filthy figments is mm. is the service so people should search for yes yeah that's Jen the, Hickman on that's filthy the figments. home of all of my erotica right now excellent yes so speaking of erotica you know the thing that is really exciting about the future of safe sex is that <laughs> covid Ooh. is changing things yet again there's no stability in this world but we're at image we've got our team uh and one goal that i have for the next story arc of safe sex is to really push some boundaries in mm. the porniness of what we show but the thing that is great about what you just said about like frustrating and flustering and teasing and denying people also is that like we can probably get away with more mm -hmm. by bringing them like right up to the brink edging them if you will <laughs> yes people will be hopefully scandalized but we will still be able to keep our distribution <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's fingers crossed that we can uh ride that line is there any kind of sex or kink scenario uh -huh. that you have been like dying to draw, especially like in the context of a larger series like Safe Sex? That's really tough. Because unfortunately, the thing that comes to mind is like what I don't want to draw. And like, honestly, anything with a ton of liquids is just a pain in the ass to render. <laughs> okay, good to know. Good to know. Yeah, but that's like a very technical like cop out. Like, I don't want to try hard. You don't want things to be wet? <laughs> That's the I know it's it's a curse it's absolutely a curse but um doing liquidy stuff so that it reads and is pleasant to behold is really challenging. Okay, I will I will keep the water sports to a minimum, <laughs> or we'll we'll suggest it, and then Steve can do a nice splashing sound effect. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> and like I'm I'm clearly not afraid to be challenged. Like if I'm gonna complain about something being difficult, that doesn't mean I'm not gonna give it a hundred percent. Yeah, you're just gonna lie on your back on the floor for a while. <laughs> yep, exactly. There will just be a little more floor time. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, like anything with a shit ton of costuming and um, get ups and visual over the top 
um, aspects, that's always gonna be really, really fun and work really well in a comic. I think that could be arranged. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, shit like, um, like pony play and pet play, that has a fantastic visual element to it that is sort of built into that. I feel like most everything is fun. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll I'll try to I'll try to get you a, a even if it's in the background a, a nice pony play scene. <laughs> there we draw. go. The the butchery thing. Bring that back, please. The the fresh meat party. Yes. Fresh meat party. Yeah. Yes. I would like yeah, to do we, that again. <laughs> that would I would like. Yes, that would be so much well, fun. Yeah, I mean they, they they definitely make it seem like it's a you know it's an annual thing. So Perfect. we gotta we gotta do the the fresh meat party again. Yeah, and honestly, that could be a fun callback and sort of a, like. Yeah, totally. We're yeah we're building a, a world in which uh, there's consistency and continuity and stuff. <laughs> Next question is a little bit of a tease for what we've been talking about working on for. Oh yes. The next story arc. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a personal question. Okay. Would you fuck a robot? (laughs) And if so, how? My gut instinct is to just say yes. But then I started thinking about it a little bit more. And I immediately got into like worrisome consent concerns. Like I went down this rabbit hole of like sentience and... Mm that sort of thing and then I was like okay we can't we can't do that we have to we have to back up and just make it a straightforward like this is a robot it is programmed it has no intelligence of its own its autonomy is not anything like a human's so that's a big question is like like what is a robot to you right and also like you know for some people the robot having consciousness would be part of the appeal but then Mm -hmm. for some people the robot not having consciousness would be preferable because then that keeps us out of the like murky (laughs) ethical territory of like if something has synthetic consciousness can it consent there's some people who like philosophically compare that to the philosophy around an animal's ability to consent right so like right, right that makes sense yeah even though obviously like Animals have an organic consciousness, but... Yeah, no, I can see that connection. And I think that's a solid, like, bridge between the two concepts. I mean, I guess the way of looking at it is, like, if we don't fully understand animal consciousness, let's just not fuck them until we know for sure that we... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that we yeah, understand so them. Is... And, like, same with synthetic exactly. consciousness. Like, it, until we, like, actually feel like we can fully understand it, then, like, let's assume that... They can't consent. But how frustrating would it be to be a self-aware robot that really wants to fuck, (laughs) but everyone's like, it's unethical for me to fuck you. I would read the hell out of that comic. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Well, now I'm just now I'm just brainstorming. You might you might actually have to draw the hell yeah, out I would, of that I comic. I would draw the hell out of that comic. <laughs> okay, so let's let's put that aside. Your 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 robot. I I I am now as the person who is providing you with the scenario. I am confirming yes. for you Great. that this is a machine with no artificial intelligence, no synthetic consciousness, no free will. Perfect. <laughs> Which sounds weirder somehow, but I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a it's essentially a sex toy. It's right. like it's an it's an elaborate vibrator. So like <laughs> yes. if you it, it essentially the question becomes if you could have any kind of sex toy 
what would it be? Right. Way back, I want to say for either the PlayStation 1 or for like the Super Nintendo, like something way back in the day, there was a very trippy video game that was music-based Mm. And oh no, it must have been it must have been Nintendo because it it relied heavily on the vibrator pack in your game controller. Um, and when you were doing well, and when you were in sync with the beat, and when you were going down this little like trippy, you know, acid trip looking tunnel, and you were doing all the things right, the thing would pulse. Um, you know, in your hands, presumably right by your lap. And I do I see the appeal a lot of a gamified sex toy that is a robot. Like that seems fun. So there would be also like a software component to it, like a, of like a, maybe even like a like a VR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I do think that software would be the distinction between a um, sex toy and a robot. Like it has to be programmable for sure. Yeah. Cool. That sounds fun. I also right? like the idea of the like music again. <laughs> yeah. Music being a part of how you fuck the machine yeah how the machine fucks you sure whichever fun well yeah and as as we talked about i think when we did the instagram live i also really appreciated that you were like (laughs) the robots don't have to be humanoid yeah yeah i mean why aren't they like little like bb8s you know like totally on your dick that (laughs) open that definitely opens up like a really like a wider idea space to play in visually um i don't know if like American consumer culture is going to be as into it as I personally am. But yeah, like like they don't need to be humanoid. Like what about those fucking I don't know, like those little turrets from Portal. Like imagine that <laughs> but for sex. <laughs> I mean, I just I think it's all about diver- you know, diversity is very important. Exactly. So I, I feel like we can have a like sex robot that's like a little gray box and <laughs> we can have, you know, little like turrets and spherical BB-8s and mm-hmm. like various things, and then we can also ha- totally have like fembot bimbos yeah. and himbos. Absolutely, fantastic. Well, thank you for <laughs> for for answering that question and going going down that <laughs> supernatural hypothetical uh, ethical portal. <laughs> yeah, with me. Well, wait, what's what's your answer really fast? Oh or, God, you know, I would really fuck. Fast. I would fuck the hell out of any <laughs> robot. I. I mean, I think that my ideal, well, okay, so, like, with the sentience, I guess, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I am concerned about robot consent, and by robot consent, I mean, like, the ability of a synthetic consciousness to consent, but, like, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like if it can play chess <laughs> and pass a Turing test. I, not that it necessarily has to pass a Turing test to be worthy of being fuckable, but like if it's if it's like so, if we're talking like so sophisticated that it is self-aware, mm. then I kind of feel like, like the foundation of ethics is like mutual respect. So like right. I would want to respect that a consciousness could consent yeah to fuck hell yeah so there's that but like honestly my like robot like sex toy fantasies are like actually really similar to the scene in the first season of westworld where tessa thompson is just like riding this robot in bed 
and mm-hmm. would want like a robot that was like strong enough to like pick me up and like slam me against the wall and then just mm-hmm. like get hard and stay hard until right. I like was done. Yeah. yeah, stamina yeah. is what I'm looking for yeah, yeah, yeah. in a machine. Totally. So Absolutely. in that Tessa Thompson scene in Westworld, like the robot like resembles a human man, like with a phallus for her to ride. <laughs> but like, just to be clear, I'm looking for that like physical strength and stamina and equipment. And like, there could right. be like all kinds of things that that robot could look like, like Tessa Thompson, for example. Yeah, please. Actually, let's just <laughs> smush those two characters together. And like, that's what I want. But th- there was something I thought really great about that scene that you don't see in like fiction about sex robots a lot like usually sex robots are like portrayed as like playmate receptacles for Mm. their like god complex having dr frankenstein creators right and like i really liked that tessa thompson even if she is like an evil corporate bitch or whatever that she was like i'm gonna like use this thing to like work up a sweat (laughs) Yeah. Also great for like while we can't go to the gym, <laughs> you know, bring it <laughs> this all needs back. to hit the market immediately. Yes, I want some, <laughs> and then I, I want to fuck it, and then I want to lift it. <laughs> oh no! Somebody's and then I want it to like spot P ninety X, but for sex robots. Yep. Well, that's <laughs> that's inevitable. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm Somebody's here for this future. Yeah, I need an angel investor for this. <laughs> yeah, yes. If you are listening to this and you would like to fund, Jen will design it. It, yep. it will be it will be great. I feel like you will design all the little like accessories that um, yeah. like that, that come with it that you can fuck but don't look like a human. Yeah, I'm gonna expand a lot of um, of uh, boundaries for people. It's gonna be great. I love it. I love it. And then once they see the porn that you make of it, they're gonna be like, "Oh, that's how I would get off with that thing." Yeah. Yes, I want that. Yeah, secret instructional manuals. Yes, yes, that's all comics really are. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for asking. (laughs) So I hope that that gets people excited for what we are working on for the future. We will certainly be able to say more before the year is up and hopefully people will be able to see more before the year is up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's still so much more 2020 to do. Two more questions. One is, what are you working on in 2020 besides you did the work already for the safe sex trade that's coming out on July 22nd, uh, wherever books or (laughs) comics are sold? But um, what what, what else are you working on or that we're going to see released um, from your work in 2020? Yeah, um, I am currently doing another serial chapter in my weird filthy figments world that I've created. Um, I think it's going to be the final chapter. It is sci-fi. It is a lot of dysfunctional queers, and there's a lot of rope bondage in it, either September or August. Cool. So check that out. It's fun. And, you know, tell me how the time works for you. (laughs) (laughs) It's all in the timing. (laughs) Yep. Excellent. Amazing. Is, Is there anything else that you are working on? Yeah, yeah. I actually, like two days ago, wrapped up a erotic horror graphic novel that I am doing with Zach Thompson through Aftershock Comics. And it yes. was supposed to start launching in... Oh, time is so hard in 2020. I want to say it was supposed to start in June. Um, but due to everything, um, it got delayed and it is going to start dropping monthly in September. So y'all should check that out. It is called Lonely Receiver. <laughs> that is so great. I started following 
Zach, mm. when when you posted about your collaboration and mm-hmm. uh, just a lot of really, really, really great horror yes. taste. Oh on, yes, uh, on Zach. Like I'm just yeah. like, I I can't wait to. Yeah, uh, and it's it's a weird hang. one, and this is coming from me. When I say it's a weird one, I'm not <laughs> fucking around. <laughs> yeah, it is. So. It's gonna be a trip. Yes, I oh I can't I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, hits hits subscribe. Yes. Why should people buy Safe Sex Volume One Protection? I'm just like, there's too many reasons, honestly. <laughs> um, it is a sexy thriller. Mm-hmm. It is queer as fuck. Mm-hmm. It is both campy and full of heart. And I guess the art's okay. <laughs> <laughs> the art is excellent. <laughs> Sweet. I was fishing there. It's also a dystopia that is very close to home. And I found that incredibly cathartic. Mm. But it might also be upsetting. So, you know, come get us upset with us. Yes, I think that it's very useful to get upset. Oh, people yeah. should feel if you're, people are not feeling shook up right now. What, <laughs> what are they doing? Yeah. If you want to get all shook up, then you should <laughs> check out Safe Sex Volume 1 Protection. I happen to know that you can pre-order it right now or once it is out order order it from the blue stockings online store so i highly recommend that people order from blue stockings and uh and support that wonderful store the thing that is exciting about the trade paperback collection is that it's available in places that sell books, not just places that sell comic books. So I highly recommend that you call your local comic book store. You know, mm-hmm. again, July 2020, whatever phase your area is in right now, like probably comic book stores are doing curbside pickup or courier delivery or, you know, a social distance like pickup from the store uh, or maybe even like mail order. If you don't have a local comic book store or it's uh, not possible, I mean, but if they if they don't have it, like you calling and asking for it is really good yes. for us because it lets them know that people are interested and then they might order it because they have had interest. So most comic book stores will order something for you if they yes. do not currently have it, especially a oh, trade. Yeah, yeah so, they, they, they enjoy doing that. And we actually like decided to make it $9.99, even though we could have made it twice that much. And <laughs> it is really a deal at twice the price. Honestly, so, it is. Yeah, for that amount of content, like that's unusual. Yeah, it's seven issues and there's a lot of exclusive back matter in yeah. it. And including some sort of behind the scenes process art by Jen and... <laughs> You know, if people want to read the whole story cohesively like a graphic novel or just have something like a little bit more durable for their bookshelf, um, you know, I hope that people pick it up and just stay tuned for more comics collaborations between me and Jen Hickman. And thanks for coming on the pod. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on. Um, this This was really fun. Do you have any opinions about sex kink gender or love like that <laughs> you have <laughs> you don't feel like you have another place to talk about them completely putting you on the spot <laughs> on my sex since i had you on my sex podcast and we mostly <laughs> talked about drawing that is true it's a total bait and switch for for the listeners nothing like specific or like 
people need to take some chill pills and let Yo. people have fun. <laughs> there it is. That's it. There it that's, is. That's the hot take for me is just I like, love it. Just calm down even. <laughs> <laughs> you and Taylor Swift just want everyone just to calm down. Oh no. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is an unfortunate brand linkage. We can't have this. <laughs> I mean, she's very successful, so. <laughs> I guess that is true. <laughs> if her fans are our fans, I'm fine with that. <laughs> Fair. Tay Tay, please blurb our book. <laughs> yeah, Tay Tay, blurb our book. There we go. <laughs> Let's, we should pursue that for volume two. Also, I'm definitely not convinced that she is not a sex robot. So. I was just going to suggest to you that we make her a, a knockoff sex robot in our story. We'll discuss okay. off, off mic. Yes, yes. <laughs> Jen, I wish you wellness and recovery in general, but especially <laughs> uh, since you are getting chopped yeah, and uh by in your own in your own words <laughs> i can't wait to talk to you soon and thanks for coming on the show yeah thanks so much tina hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 